This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. It's the other side of midnight with Frank Morano. The judge's eyes as they handed you the prize. I bet you took the cutest bow. Yeah, you must have been a beautiful baby. Cause baby, won't you look at you now? Come on. The great Bobby Darren. Uh, this is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Morano. You know, it's funny. A month or two ago, I was having lunch or uh, dinner with uh, a friend of mine, and I knew that he and his wife had had a child through in vitro fertilization. They had had a difficult time conceiving. What I didn't know is, and I knew that there was another couple that we were friends with that are in the same boat, that they are trying to get pregnant with, through uh, in vitro fertilization. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. What are the couple? What are the chances of two couples in the same social group, uh, both going through that same process. And, but then my friend said to me, you know, such and such a couple, I'll call them uh, Bob and Ellen, that's not their names, but Bob and Ellen, both of their children were from uh, in vitro fertilization. So if, if so-and-so gets, gets pregnant and all of us get together with our children, my friend said to me, that means out of two, four, five, six children, your one will be the only one that was not conceived through in vitro fertilization. And it dawned on me how many people I know of multiple ages that are having a, a very difficult time conceiving. And having children. And there's a lot of theories as to why, but it is uh, raising a lot of questions. It's raising a lot of financial questions, raising a lot of ethical questions, a lot of cultural questions, a lot of sociological questions. And somebody that has been uh, seeking to answer those columns for those questions for at least the last decade has been Amy Klein. She was the New York Times Fertility Diary columnist and the author of The Trying Game, Get Through Fertility Treatment and Get Pregnant Without Losing Your Mind. Amy, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Hi, thanks so much for having me. Amy, uh, for people that are unfamiliar with uh, with your writing and your work, give folks the Reader's Digest version of, of your story and how you came to start writing on this subject. You know, when I started fertility treatment and trying to get pregnant in about 2011 or 2012, no one was talking about this. No one was writing about it. If you wanted to find that information, you'd either have to go into these mommy blogs or you'd have to look up science information. And as a health journalist, I can look up science information. But I couldn't believe that there was this secret world that people were going to. You know, I'd go to these clinics and women were lined up in New York City at six in the morning before they went to their 
big C-suite jobs. And it just seemed like I had entered this secret world that nobody was talking about anything. And as a health journalist who often writes about what I'm going through, I just started writing about it. And I just started sending in columns to the New York Times because I couldn't believe that nobody was talking about such an important thing. And then they asked me, they said, oh, do you want to write a column about this? And we were both so naive. They're like, why don't you write about it for three to four months? And then you'll get pregnant and then we'll follow your pregnancy. You know, neither of us had any idea that it would take me at least three more years, four miscarriages and 10 doctors, nine rounds of IVF to finally get pregnant with our daughter. Well, I'm curious because I share a lot of personal details about my life on the radio, and at times I find it very therapeutic, and at other times it's very it's very challenging to be that open and that intimate with total strangers about some very, uh, very tough times that you might be dealing with. It's certainly uh, very much a frustration for my wife and my family when I share details about things that I'm going on in, in my life that uh, that uh, that they'd rather me not share. What was that like for you emotionally to share such intimate details that maybe traditionally you'd only share with your best friend to share them with such a wide readership? You know, it wasn't like, oh, the day I had a miscarriage, I would publish the same story. You know what I mean? I would write about it for myself and then I would formulate it. It's not maybe not the same as radio because I would have time to Mm -hmm. formulate it and think about what I wanted to say. And... Um, It was interesting. There were a lot of comments that weren't positive. You know, why is this? Someone wrote an article about me. Should we have sympathy for a 42-year-old trying to get pregnant? And she wrote this whole article how she got married when she was 25 and she had all her kids and then she got divorced. So why should I be so lucky to like get married at 39 and then get to have a child? And, you know, why should we have sympathy for someone like me? So there was a whole bunch of comments like that. Um, And at a certain point, I just had to have my husband read through the comments because it was hard to not only be going through what I was going through, but also to be like hopped up on hormones and super emotional and going through all these things. But, you know, for everyone who wrote a comment like that or said something like, why don't you just adopt, which is super ignorant to say, there were, you know, hundreds of people who to this day say, you're helping me so much. Thank you for saying this. Thank you for writing about baby envy, you know, being jealous of my pregnant friends. Thank you for talking about your miscarriage because no one else is talking about it. So most of the time I just had to remember that I was helping other people while I was also helping myself. Well, that's terrific. I know maybe this is outside the scope of uh, what you uh, write about or are comfortable talking about, but maybe you're, I'm sure it's something that you've thought about and looked into. Do you have a theory as to why so many couples uh, seem to be struggling with fertility these days? Some people have said it's the age of the people uh, that are trying to have children. Other folks have said it's environmental factors, the food, the water, other other uh, factors in the environment. I'm just curious if you have a theory. Well, the average age of, I think, the American woman of marriage is now 30, if I'm reading the Census Bureau figures correctly. So if that's the average age. And the fertility rate, I think, is declining in all age groups except for over 35, 40, and 45. So the age of the woman 
the age of the woman's egg is the most important factor in fertility. There's other factors, of course, there's the uterus, there's sperm problems, but it is the age of the egg. And it's not a blame thing, that's just the truth. The, the later marriage age, the more trouble you have getting pregnant and staying pregnant. So that's number one. And there's more sperm problems as well due to environmental factors. I think something like 50% decline in sperm is very sharp. If people just tune in, we're talking with Amy Klein. You might have read her uh, op-ed in the New York Post on uh, Mother's Day, which we're going to talk about in just a moment. You can check out her book, The Trying Game, Get Through Fertility Treatment and Get Pregnant Without Losing Your Mind. Amy, uh, tell me about your, your book. Is it largely a chronicling of your journey? Is it uh, a lot of things that you learned from writing the column? What's your book about, mostly? Um, the book is a combination of my journey, but it's also taking the reader through every part, every aspect of fertility treatment, the emotional, psychological, financial, and technical aspects. So I do talk about things like baby envy and how to deal with, you know, not feeling happy for other people. I talk about what happens when um, you don't have money to pay for fertility treatment but it really it begins with this feeling like, oh, my God, I thought getting pregnant was going to be so easy. I thought that was going to be the easy part. Now, how do I deal with the fact that I have to start fertility treatment and where do I start? And, you know, a lot of it is my journey. Some of it is my journey, but I didn't go through everything. You know, I'm not a single mom. I'm not freezing my eggs. I'm not gay. I didn't hire a surrogate. There's a lot of things that I didn't go through. So I speak to, in every chapter, I tell part of my own story. I talk to experts, researchers, therapists, doctors, and then I talk to other people who have been through the same journey. You know, there's a whole chapter on religion about um, how faith can help or hurt your journey. There's also what to do at work. You know, how do you deal with work issues, telling them, do you not tell them? I just, you know, I wanted it to be an A to Z to fertility treatment because, an interesting thing happened from when I started to when I came out with the book. You know, I always thought I'd write just a memoir, but by the time that my book came out, I started writing the book, I realized from going, there was no information out there to there was almost too much information out there. And now for people who have fertility troubles, it feels like there's so much information that's so overwhelming. And where do I begin and how do I start? What questions mm. do I ask my doctor? What do I tell my mother-in-law? Like, how do I tell her to butt out, you know? Do I have to throw my best friends a baby shower? So I just wanted someone to be able to pick up this book wherever they're at in their journey or if they wanted to give it to their workplace or give it to their friends. I wanted them to be able to have like a capsule, you know, just to jump into whatever they're up to, to wade through all the information. There's too much information out there now. So I just wanted it to be the ABCs of infertility. Well, that's terrific. And again, if people want to check it out or get it for someone, it's called The Trying Game. Uh, Amy, let me ask you, We, my wife and I are very close with a couple that we know is, um, you know, having a difficult time uh, having a child and they're going through uh, fertility treatment. I'm, I'm not really sure where they are, where they're at. 
But, um, you know, they've had a number of miscarriages, and I know that's been very challenging for them uh, emotionally, physically, et cetera. And, you know, both of us, my wife and me, both of us want to be um, there for this couple and encouraging of them and let them know that we're supportive of them. But we don't necessarily want to keep bringing this up if it's not necessarily something that they want to talk about at any given moment. What advice would you give to uh, people like me? who want to be supportive of a couple that is going through this sort of a thing, but doesn't necessarily want to keep bringing up something which might be a sore subject? You know, that's very nice of you, and that's a very good question. And every person is different. You know, I might have been writing about this journey in the New York Times, but I didn't want to go out and talk about it all the time. And I didn't want people to ask me, how's it going? Are you pregnant? And I just said, you know what, when there's news, I'll tell you. But everybody's very different. So I think that you should each probably ask them separately, maybe, maybe not as a couple, like, and say, you know, we're here for you and we want to be there to support you. What's the best way to support you? Do you want to talk about it? Do you not want to talk about it? And the, the wife might feel differently than the husband. You know, my husband felt like I had a lot of people to talk to and he didn't have a lot of people to talk to. And he might have appreciated someone like you taking him out and being like, hey, do you want to tell me what's going on or do you want to just like have a beer and watch the game? You know, so I think it's good to um, maybe ask them separately or, you know, and just say, we're here for you. Please tell us what you need. Do you want us to ask you? We're thinking of you. Do you not want us to ask you? And do you want us just to wait for you to tell us? This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wondering if you can speak to the financial toll that couples who go through fertility treatment have to deal with. I know one person that went through this that uh, essentially changed jobs because he was able to get a health insurance plan that would cover his uh, he and his wife going through this, which he wouldn't have been able to afford in his previous job, even though he was making a, a lot of money. He said it was so expensive he wouldn't be able to do it. Uh, give folks an idea of what the financial toll is for something like this. Well, the average round of one cycle of IVF is over $20,000, and most people need a, about three cycles. So that could, and then that's not including medication and other kind of testing. And recently, New York, I think a, a year and a half ago, New York passed a bill that companies over 50 people have to cover 
um, fertility treatment and places like New Jersey cover, but not a lot of companies are exempt from fertility treatment and a lot of people don't have full-time jobs that will cover that kind of stuff. So it could be, you know, we're talking 60 to $100,000 at least for people who wow. need fertility treatment. Wow. Uh, aside from the financial toll and the toll that it might take on uh, a woman's health going through this sort of a thing, what are some of the other common struggles that a couple who is struggling to conceive and going through the fertility process may deal with? Well, you know, your whole life is on hold because it's not like, oh, you know, let's say you have a heart transplant or a broken leg, you know when the operation is mm. and when you're going to recover. You know, it's just like, okay, you're starting a cycle. You might have to come in on Monday. You might have to come in on Wednesday. And you have to come in four times a week, and you have to be late to work. And then you have to – you're going to have an egg retrieval and you're going to be out the rest of the day, and you're going to have to take a day off, and then you're going to have to do a transfer, and you might have to be on bed rest. Your whole life is basically up in shambles. I can't tell you how many weddings I missed, how many travel plans I couldn't do. You're living in this liminal state between, you know, we're just a fun, happy couple having fun, and we're parents. You're you're neither, and it's very hard to make plans just Mm. on a daily basis. And as a woman, you know, there's a lot of things you can't do, you might not be able to be drinking. You can't um, go into a jacuzzi. You might have to curtail your exercise schedule. So it might sound trivial, you know, and it, it would be fine if you were doing it for one month or three months. But, you know, it took me three years until, you know, my fifth pregnancy. And half the time I was pregnant because I had four miscarriages. So your whole life is really on hold and it's really challenging to just partake in everybody's day-to-day life because you just don't know what you're doing and you're waiting for this thing and you don't even know if it will ever happen. So that's a big mental, emotional challenge. Are there, and I'm sure through your writing, you've heard from so many different couples that have been through this. And while I'm sure there, there's no, um, there's no uniform set of, of rules, I'm sure you've heard a lot of common trends. And what I'm wondering is what, what is the stress on a relationship for a couple that goes that goes through this. I've known many couples, unfortunately, that have lost children at various ages. And what I've observed from them is sometimes it can uh, drive them uh, apart and sometimes it brings them much closer together. I'm wondering, what does going through fertility with all that entails, the financial difficulty, the scheduling difficulty, the health difficulty, the uncertainty, what does that do to your relationship with your partner? I haven't heard from many people that brings them closer together. But you have not. That's you because said. no, I have not. But I think that a lot of um, it, you know, it tests your relationship at a very usually early point in your relationship. Um, you know, especially if it's primary, the first time you're trying to have a child. You know, you might guys. You know, maybe even you know, my husband and I dated. We were together 18 months before we got married, but I got pregnant and miscarried right after the wedding. And so we were went from like fun dating couple, planning a fun wedding to straight into infertility. I think what um, a lot of complaints that I see, and I sit on a lot of like Facebook groups where people are talking about this kind of thing, is their expectations of their husband or their partner 
how people deal with things very differently. Like my partner wants a kid, but he's not as involved in the same process as I am, or he wants to know, is this really worth it? Or he doesn't understand, you know, the whole, my whole column in the Times basically started because my husband was like, why can't you be happy for that other couple? Because an acquaintance of mine called me to tell me she was pregnant and my husband is like, why aren't you happy for them? And I'm like, I'm not happy for them. Why should I be happy for them? So I think, you know, just going into this from an early part of your relationship before you've been through childbirth together, before you figured out how you guys do things, I think men and women or women and women or men and men, they just approach it. They Two people just approach it very differently. Like I was very, very, very fixated on every part, I guess I would call it the micro part of the treatment. How many eggs did I get? How many survived? How many became embryos? And my husband was kind of like, big picture, let's think big picture. Okay, how many cycles are we gonna do? You know, what are we gonna do if four cycles don't work? How are we gonna pay for it? He was kind of just trying to keep his eye on the ball. And I appreciated that a lot, you know, that long-term, but I, I needed someone in there in the trenches with me to cry over oh, I thought I was going to get six eggs and I only got three eggs. And I hear a lot of women complain about the way that their partners are not able to be there for them in the way that they want them to be. And one of the things that I always tell them is, you know, A, your partner's going through this too. They might not be the ones suffering from the infertility. It might be the woman's infertility, it might be the male infertility, but they're going through it and they, are, you know, they might not be your primary partner you know, like my husband was my partner going through infertility, but I had a cadre of friends that I could complain to or talk to about, you know, the nitty gritty when he wasn't on board with that. The um, You had a terrific column in the New York Post on Mother's Day where you said that uh, a lot of companies out of sensitivity for what some would-be mothers are going through are uh, offering people a chance to skip out on things like Mother's Day emails or Mother's Day promotions. Uh, Before we get into what you believe is the right course for these companies to take, I think this might be new to a lot of people. Tell people what what some companies are doing. I think a bunch of companies are saying, you know, Mother's Day can be a really sensitive time for people. Um, if you'd like to opt out of our Mother's Day email, then you could click here. And, you know, I think uh, a crafting company, a makeup company, there were like five or six emails. If you'd like to opt out of Mother's Day, you can do so right here. And why is this not necessarily a good thing? A lot of people might hear about this and say, okay, this is a way to be sensitive to people that are having a difficult time having a child. What's wrong with this? I think there's nothing wrong with it per se that a company is trying to be sensitive. And it's funny, you know, like I'm on the other side of this now, you know, my daughter's seven and a half and I couldn't look online on Mother's Day. I couldn't be on Facebook. I couldn't be on Instagram. It was just too much. And I definitely decided to take a social media break. I just don't want there to be this pitting. You know, of course, I want sensitivity for uh, fertility challenge women, for women who wanted to have babies that couldn't. It could be very hard for people who wanted children who didn't. It's just, you know, for 
I, I don't want women who do celebrate Mother's Day to feel bad about celebrating Mother's Day, and it's hard to strike that balance. All right. Uh, Amy, uh, thank you very much for the time this morning. I hope people check out the book, The Trying Game. They can go to your website, thetryinggamebook.com. A great column. I'm going to share it on uh, on my, my social media outlets as well. I hope we can talk again. Thank you so much. Thank you. If you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call, 1-800-848-9222. That's 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight. 